DJ and PK, brought to you in part by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Topic on our Facebook page, a Woj bomb turns into a Woj F-bomb to a U.S. senator, no less. What do you make of that? John says, funny how much time and money I have now that I'm no longer supporting professional sports. Not another penny on them. I think when pro sports come back, people are going to come back and plenty of pennies are going to be spent on them, PK. There's an old line, religion is the opiate of the masses, and I've heard that turned into sports is the opiate of the masses, and there's probably a certain amount of truth to that, at least for a segment of society. Can't believe a lot of people are really going to walk away after this. Well, I'm sure some people are, but that's their choice. So be it. That's the beauty of freedom, is you get to choose. You get uh, diversity of opinion, and so if you're someone voices an opinion you don't like, well, I guess you can do whatever you want. Uh, I saw that personally. Uh, someone voiced an opinion and people don't like it. Oh my gosh! Wow, the world ended. Who knew? Uh, but uh, for me, I'm in. I, I don't let their politics ruin my personal enjoyment. Because if I did that, where do I stop? Do I stop with movies? Do I stop with sports? Do I stop with music? Do, do I not go to a doctor uh, because he or she has a particular political opinion that I don't like? Which grocery where, store do you go to? <laughs> where's that end? <laughs> so uh, rather than have to pick and choose, and my head would be spinning, Hey, you got your opinion? Fine. All I ask is that it be responsible. And as long as it's responsible, I'm okay with it. If I don't, if I disagree, it doesn't bother me. So what? Peter says you'd be hard pressed to find a player in any of the pro sports he covers who hasn't used that term. Most towards an opponent at some time. Many seen on national TV. Seems crazy to me that he should get suspended over this. Uh, didn't seem that crazy to me that he would get suspended over that. I mean, organizations are going to say that that's unacceptable. That's over the line from the it's guy we mean, pay. It's not a from meaningless suspension. And w- what does it do? It doesn't do. Go sit in your room. Yes. It's, symbolic. It's, but that, I don't need symbolic. I need real journalism. I need him to report on the story, not take the support of the flag of the NBA. So that's where the suspension doesn't change anything. I don't care about a suspension. I would rather, uh, Adrian, your job as an NBA reporter is to report on the NBA, not stick up for the NBA within two minutes. You come off as a complete and total shill for the league. I can't trust you on any issues now because you've made your point known that you support the league. And you're, you're just going to fall in line with what they want you to believe. I mean, the, people call it the association. I'm calling it now the corporation because that's what it is. <laughs> A multi-billion dollar corporation. It's the corporation. And China, the issue threatened for them to lose money. And ESPN, if the NBA loses money, ESPN's going to lose money potentially. That's why they call, him, a, that's what they call yeah. them broadcast partners. And he is a an extension of that. And obviously he showed that. He's willing to put journalism aside to defend the NBA. I can't trust you as a journalist then. 
You can tell me all the guys who get drafted t- two minutes before the Adam Silver announces it. That's great. But at the crux of it, I need you to be a journalist. And this is how you respond? Oh, man, I don't know that that – you can suspend them forever. What difference does it make? But this has been an ongoing thing with people who break stories. What do they have to do to break the story? What kind of relationship do they have to build with people that compromises whatever independence they had, whatever ability it was to straddle the middle ground so that people will deliver the news to them? Whether it's news that wasn't going to get broken, news that was going to get broken in a week, or news that was going to get broken in two minutes. And I think Woj just probably tweeted about you know a wide variety of stuff you know, hence the term Woj bombs. So, but but what do they have to give up? You know, how much to get access, how much do you have to uh, be a friend, fawn over them? Yeah, whatever. You, you don't have to publicly cheerlead for the league. I've been doing this for 30-some years. You don't. And I, and I gave was you two stories here in the last week. But was he privately cheerleading to get that access? Oh, the fine. Yeah. Great. But don't do it publicly like that. To a sitting U.S. senator... Now, I'm sure I've ruined some people's day by saying it. I get it. I get it. And I'm sorry ahead of time. But <laughs> I, I think discussion points are out there and worthy of it. I'm glad he did it in a sense because then you could discuss these things and you can bring them to the table rather than keeping them in your kitchen where people don't know about it. Jack says, would people get this heard over sports things like this in the past decades? Maybe. But people were more likely to forgive and forget. Nowadays, it seems like people are more uh, being slow to forgive and quick to be offended. Well, there's no such thing as forgive and forget. Maybe Jesus does that. But yeah. There's no human being who does that. Forgive, so the, maybe, but the forgetting yeah. part, really? <laughs> yes, exactly. unless, you're, unless your memory's gone and you're just forgetting everything. You don't right. tend to forget. Right. Nobody forgets. Get out of town. I can remember every single wrong against me in my entire life. No, you can't. <laughs> you cannot. I write them down. You forget, a, you forget a few, but you don't forget the highlights. You know, the brilliant NBA Finals uh, headline. Good job, Michael. Now, you don't forget that. <laughs> not only do I not forget it, I feast on it. <laughs> I See, feed off of it. The positive in the long run. It's motivated you. <laughs> oh, I did. Uh, I should read you this thing here. Let me get it. And uh, I... Uh, I, I showed it to my wife, and she was just stunned that I actually showed it to her. Go ahead and babble for a couple seconds. I'll find it. <laughs> well, now I'm curious about what it is. You get, a, you get an email? You get a tweet? That's what we're all kind of wondering. Yeah, right. Somebody reached out to you with silliness, or somebody reached out to you with some bizarro opinion. We're going to be like, who could possibly even type that? I'm curious where we're headed with this now. Is it's, it an email you're looking at? It's a tweet. I got oh, it is a co- tweet. Okay. Yeah. Believe it or not, there are people who still email us. There's one guy who emails us sometimes multiple times a day. Well, it was funny on this thing that happened the other day. I was driving out of town, and I stopped in St. George. Well, you know, I don't look at my phone when I'm driving. And uh, I stopped in St. George, and, oh, man, I look at the phone. I got multiple texts. I get a phone call. All this stuff, and I just I stopped in St. George for maybe ten minutes, you know, get gas, go to the bathroom, that type of thing, and uh, we all have done it. 
and uh, I'm on my way to Vegas, and then I'm going to have a long weekend and at the beach for a couple of days and then come back. So anyway, it's all this stuff and all this, like, all this just blah, 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 blah. I have no idea about this stuff. Uh, so Tyler Massey tweets at me. You probably won't read this, but I want you to know that I appreciate all the hard work you put into giving us great sports news slash updates. The sports world is better with you in it. Now, I have a tendency, well, not a tendency, I have a habit and a behavior pattern <laughs> of showing my wife all the negative stuff. So I said, hey, take a look at this. And she's like, ah, oh, starts rolling her eyes. And I was like, wow, you never show me this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you tend to get a lot more negative than positive, no matter who you are. People who have negative emotion are more motivated to comment than people who have positive emotion. Yeah. So I said, so Tyler, thank you for those for those thoughts. I try to do what I do, and some people accept it uh, warmly. Others, I guess, I just make their lives miserable. Who knew? But uh, on this thing here, it was a wild story that came out. What was it? Uh, I guess that wouldn't have been that would have been uh, on uh, Wednesday when all that stuff would have gone down, and then on Friday the was the was the tweet thing it just and i had been saying man i don't know who to trust anymore as far as journal the days of playing it down the middle seem to be gone so don't trust uh anyone you uh you, you got a twitter feed you can get news from a lot of different sources and you surf the net even though that's a little old school and you get news from a lot of different sources and then you think what makes sense and you kind of take a little bit of this and a little bit of that that makes sense to you and that's what you trust yeah but i think it's a little bit of different it's a little different for me because i've been in the business for so long i actually i don't think that most people really care about adrian's uh response to the senator we we they, have some of that you're right about that they're, they want to know people. they they like the juicy stuff to where uh the the nets are can are going to sign Kevin Durant, and they want to know that as soon as it's available. And that's really all that matters to them because they are sort of like me in that they're not going to let this other stuff ruin their sports, their love for sports. Charles Barkley talked about that, I think, over the weekend. I read something uh, last night on him speaking, uh, where are we going with all this stuff here? Sports is supposed to be an outlet, and you know we're going to have all these political things and people people do get turned off now i don't get turned off by it uh go ahead and do it now you know they're going to have these messages when they start the games in orlando and they're going to wear whatever fine we saw last night on the soccer wearing black lives matter t-shirt well when they were actually playing the game they could have said anything on those t-shirts and no one was really paying attention you saw when they put over on the bench but it had no effect or bearing on the game at least when I watched it, and I watched the most of it, the announcers were not talking about that. So I don't think it's really going to make that much of a difference. And so the the senator from Missouri was, well, how about free Hong Kong? Can we have that? You know, he was basically saying that the NBA is a and, – and Clay Travis did a – 45-minute interview with him that I listened to. I had a 10-hour drive, so if you can kill 45 minutes with one thing, you're going to do it because it makes the drive go faster, right? So I actually listened to the interview, and he was saying, the senator was saying that basically the NBA and their message is just like state-run, which is what state-run media is, is we tell you what to say. 
And that's what they're doing here. We, we're allowing you to say these things, but you can't say these things. I mean, Black Lives Matter, you can say, but how about black babies' lives matter? Oh, my, you know, for, for abortion. That would, that's not acceptable. That's, in a sense, that is state-run. That would be outrageous if they did that. We can't have that. Oh, but we can have this over here. That's acceptable. That's the point that he was making. Now, don't come shoot at me. I'm reporting, what, I'm reporting what he was saying, the point that he was making. And cannot we have discussion on these things? We're not allowed to have discussion on things that you may disagree with? Oh, my gosh. Where are we going here? Cancel culture seems to be where we're going. Yeah, and I'm not part of that. That's why I said I, yeah. I, I would have I would have Wojciechowski back on Wojciechowski back on work today if it were me. Have at it. I think I think ESPN would prefer if their reporters and their uh, anchors and uh, all of that weren't uh, weren't emailing or uh, tweeting f bombs at. Really? Yeah, yeah it's sitting I, U.S. I, senators. I don't so know that I, I agree that with that. Woj is a, a high enough profile, you know, star and has probably paid enough money. I mean, the two weeks, you know, it's an annoyance. Maybe it's a little embarrassing, but it doesn't, you know. No, it's, it's, I, he makes $6 million dollars a year. It's, like, it's not going to matter. Yeah, right, exactly. It's not going to change the course <laughs> of his life and his career. You know, but the message for all the other employees at ESPN is there. Uh, yeah, but granted, uh, they, granted, they have enough other high-profile, high-paid people. You know, I don't know that it matter that much to them either. See, I think that they would send. The, some people would say it sends the message: if you're on their side, we'll give you a two-week suspension. If you're not on their side, we'll fire chilling, you. we'll fire you. Yeah. So actually. They're sort of in a no-win situation there, and that's what you get. You get going back and forth. You know, I don't know if you read the Mitch album column out of Detroit over the weekend, which I did when my wife was driving. Uh, I opened it up and read it, where he's talking about Sean Jackson, Malcolm Jenkins, and Stephen Jackson. Stephen Jackson, obviously. Uh, the a basketball player, not the former running back from Oregon State, was out there very strong in the George Floyd, as he should have been. Great. But over here, you know, his comments on Deshaun Jackson and then, uh, you know, basically uh, he doesn't know anything about it and he doesn't care. And then Malcolm Jenkins, who cried over uh, Drew Brees, who had to give multiple apologies because he – said what he said about the one to stand for the anthem and over here uh, Malcolm Jenkins said this Deshaun Jackson stuff is a distraction and go read Mitch Albom's piece and he puts it in perspective I assume Mitch Albom is Jewish I don't know that uh, and maybe he says it and I'm just not remembering it uh, uh, and reading his piece that he had yesterday but and I put all these things in the discussion, and then if, but if you say these things, you're right wing and you're a lunatic and you're an embarrassment and blah 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 blah. And I guess because I took a couple of days off last week, I got response that I was suspended. Yeah, <laughs> I I actually told Yak that was going to happen. <laughs> I told him. We discussed this. We did. <laughs> I told you. And he's in a car. You know driving. how this is going to look? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, except he's going to be on the show in the 9 o'clock hour, so some people will figure it out. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. I mean, come on. I, I, I actually had that uh, plan for weeks. I know. I know. I got the email. 
<laughs> we yeah. shortened it. You I'm, did. You actually shortened it up. I'm going on vacation in two you're, weeks. I'm not getting suspended. The original, the original email, you were going to be gone today. Yes, but we thought under the circumstances, uh, just maybe shorten it. Do you knock on Norm's door? Is that bad form in our current no, state? I don't think you yeah, can do that now. That'd be I would, bad I would, form. I would, I would not do that. I mean, yeah. he's over 70 years of age. Yeah. Uh, I, I just know that would not be. I, I practice uh, the social distancing. Yeah, well, the, the typical things you're supposed to practice. Wash I practice your hands. Them. Yeah. Wear a mask. I mean, I yeah. Yeah. And for people who are wondering if they should go to the beach, uh, I, I got to say that. Uh, in a sense, it was more fun than we've had because it was way less crowded. Uh, the streets, uh, just everything was... L.A. traffic? Good. Wasn't L.A. traffic? Oh, no, not at all. Oh, really? And I, and I have, yeah, I have some friends uh, uh, talking about how the pollution has been gone. So the beauty of the area, and it's a very beautiful area. Obviously, there's way too many people. But a lot of times you can't see it because of the pollution. Well, with so many cars off the road, as we have here, we've heard about the pollution mm -hmm. has been reduced here. Well, obviously, it's the same concept. Yeah. So you can see the San Gabriels. You can see the mountains. You can see a friend of mine uh, that I've known for many, many years uh, bought a house in Capistrano. And we spent some time there. Gosh, and he has it's it's a funky house. It's a rather than a horizontal, it's a vertical house. The thing just goes straight up. It has four levels, and the fourth they they have a deck, and you can see the sunset over the ocean, and you could see he says you can see out into Catalina because of how clear things have been, and he says it's been great. And he is a uh, captain in the uh, county, Los Angeles County Fire Department. He has a long commute. And what would take uh, an hour and 45 minutes has been under an hour. So for those types of things, that has been great. But I, I got to say, when we checked in the hotel, and we go to the same hotel every time. I told you the one. You know the one. You've been there. Mm -hmm. And it, it, my, we walk in there. And we didn't get there till late at night because we had the long drive. And my wife says, man, this is really weird. And I said, and it was weird. It just it was felt, empty. It just felt weird. Yeah, because I've been to that. I've been to that hotel probably 25 times from all the work and then vacations. Mm -hmm. There's it's always buzzing. And yeah, it was a little bit of a ghost town. So it yeah. was weird. It did have a weird feel to it. And it, yeah. uh, we did go to the beach in, on Saturday down there in Capistrano, and there were a lot of people there. I got to say, there were a lot. I thought there were a lot of people. They said that it's normally more crowded. I that that's their beach, so they would know more than I. But I thought there were a lot of people there, and I was a little nervous about it because that was the first time that I was around groups of people. But even with that in mind, I still tried to practice the things that we're told to do as much as possible. Uh, while you were talking, I did find that Mitch album story and I, he did write one thing in there that I thought was, uh, really good. Uh, you can't separate one hate from all hate any more than you can separate a breeze from the wind. From the wind. And yeah, I thought I that, that, that I thought that was a good line. And then yeah. the other thing we, we didn't talk about, we got to go to break here, but I thought that Julian Edelman's reaction to Steven Jackson was awesome. We need way more of this. It goes back to your point about, you know, you can't. <laughs> There's 330 million Americans. Not only can you not fix the world, you can't fix the country. 
You know, 330 million people is just too many people. But you can you can build one relationship. You can make one bridge. If everybody does that, and you don't control what everybody does, but everybody does that, we're in a better spot. And I thought Edelman telling Jackson, let's go to D.C. I'll take you to the Holocaust Museum, and you take me to the new Smithsonian Museum. There's obviously a series of them on the mall. And there's one now on the African-American experience, which I have been into. It is massive. It takes a long time to go through. There is a lot in there, like most Smithsonian's. You know, you can, you can spend a lot of time in them. But I thought that reaction from Julian Edelman, I thought that was good. That was, that was spot on. Oh, education, yeah, discussion, yeah. sure, I'm right. all for it. And they're going to spend time together. There's no way you're going through those two museums quickly. You know, you're, you're going to spend a couple days together. You're going to see stuff you don't know about. You're going to think about it. You're going to talk about it. I thought, I thought that was a great reaction from Edelman. I mean, there are obviously people who have, you know, downtime and the money to travel. Not everybody can do that, you know, but they can. And so it's, it's good that that was what Edelman brought up. Hopefully they'll actually do it. Uh, that would be good. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5. Hopefully, somebody at ESPN will follow it because that could be a really interesting story. And there's a lot of people who can't afford to do that. You talk about your family driving from Phoenix to San Diego for a baseball game. You couldn't get a hotel. You couldn't go to the beach even though you were you know, five minutes from the beach, right? There's a lot of people who can't afford to take that trip to D.C. But they might be able to read about it at ESPN.com. They might be able to watch the video online or watch it on SportsCenter when they got nothing else to put on there. E60, they got all kinds of vehicles for that kind of stuff. You know, to go through those museums with those guys would be good. DJ and PK, coming up next, USC football. Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com, and the podca- podcast of champions on the, uh, the Pac-12 going to conference-only play. There are plenty of people who think it's just kicking the can down the road and there's not going to be any season at all. We'll see if Ryan Abraham believes that. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. Time to welcome back in a friend of the show. Ryan Abraham has joined us many times, and he joins us one more time. He runs uscfootball.com and the podcast of champions. Ryan, welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming on again. Oh, my pleasure. We got some uh, weird college football news going on, man. It's a strange time out here when we're covering these teams. So I'm I'm curious. Uh, did anything about this surprise you, or given the way that the numbers have been going in Southern California and in Arizona, and earlier uh, in the spring in Seattle? Who knows what's going to happen in September and October, and, and conference only, and the flexibility and schedules the only way to handle this. So you figure it had to happen. Yeah, I think what uh, it was a little shocking when the Big Ten came out with that announcement. I thought the Power Five commissioners that they you know they communicate quite a bit. That was pretty clear uh you know it seems like they caught a lot of the other conferences off guard um but once you you know you cancel a couple of huge profile out of conference games between the big 10 and the pac-12 it almost left the pac-12 no choice and like you said there's you know different states in the in the pac-12 footprint and california's had problems arizona's had recent problems and uh, you know, Washington early on in the pandemic had problems. So I think it makes sense. Uh, it might just be buying some time until the inevitable happens. But really, to me, it comes down to flexibility because we don't have a, a true leader in college football. There's no college football czar, per se. And the NCAA has only come out with statements like, yeah, you guys do whatever you want. It'll be OK. <laughs> and so I feel like this is a you kind of pull the, pull the reins back in a little bit and you can at least control your conference. You're still spanning multiple states and multiple local governments, state governments, but at least you have a leader over this smaller group of schools and you can kind of make decisions 
based on that. So and without having someone that's running all of college football or at least running the Power Five, I think this was the next logical step. So if there's a possible way to still go on with the season, they'll be able to do it on a conference level. So do you think that, you know, Notre Dame and SC are such high-profile games, and obviously they play Stanford and they rotate either being in Northern or Southern California, you think that that is 100% not going to happen this year? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've thought about it, and I, I feel like the the issue would be, if you look at the USC and Stanford schedule, it's almost like Notre Dame's part of the conference because, you know, every other year you have five home conference games and four road and then vice versa but that Notre Dame fills that fifth spot so Stanford and USC each have five and five it could possibly work out uh, I, there might be a possibility that happens but then you're introducing it's sort of like introducing a foreign family member to your like quarantine group you know to your so you bring Notre Dame in who will probably be playing quite a bit of an ACC schedule so it might be a little too complex but just the way the schedules have worked if you're going to do a 10 game schedule for Stanford and USC, having Notre Dame as part of that wouldn't be, I don't think it would be a terrible thing. And the travel really isn't that much further if you're going from, you know, Seattle to, uh, you know, to, to, you know, Los Angeles or whatever, but it's not that much different. I, I don't know if it's going to, I think it's going to be adding too much complexity because it's probably easier just to have Notre Dame go with one conference going with the ACC. But it seems like there's still that option out there. We just don't know how they're going to like shake out the schedules at this point. So the thing I thought from the start, and I think about this too much, and PK will be the first to tell you that it's fun to watch me and laugh at me, Uh, and many people do. He's not alone. It's not just him. Uh, But the one thing I did think was, what you said about the family is a very good way of putting that. You know, they they are worried that some of the schools that they were going to play that have less money, whether it's the Mountain West or the Big Sky or New Mexico State, I think, had a game with UCLA, uh, that they wouldn't be testing as regularly. And they could have a bunch of players get infected and impact, you know, conference games and all that. So I kind of get that thinking. But I got to admit, I was surprised they didn't go with like a 10 plus one. And if you're not in the Pac-12 title game, uh, you know, you could play one non-league game at the end and that might salvage a Notre Dame game, right? That might salvage Utah-BYU. Everybody probably has a, you know, something on their schedule like that that they could salvage or, or even create. And it'd be the last game so you wouldn't play another team and risk infecting them. It would be up to every school and they'd be on their own at that point. And Mark Harlan, the Utah AD, was on and uh, you can listen to it at 1280thezone.com because you might want to reference this comment. He said that TV games on networks, ESPN and Fox, are worth about $5 million bucks. Sound the way he said it made it sound like they were worth just a little less than $5 million. And then a Pac-12 network game would be worth a little less than that, obviously. Um, and so I thought they might try to salvage some of these games. You know, it would certainly be there. And the fact that they didn't, they must have thought of it, tells me that they think that they're going to need 14 Saturdays to get 10 games in and that there really isn't going to be time for an 11th one, that it's going to be that bad in the fall. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And and the, the part we brought up earlier about flexibility, we've seen college football schedules, you know, a decade out, like just set in stone. There's some opportunity there where, like you mentioned, what if a couple teams get their games canceled, conference games, and – you know, USC Alabama never didn't happen, but Alabama was supposed to play like Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt dropped out and USC was supposed to play like Cal or something and they drop out. 
could they say you know, a week in advance, well, why don't we play each other? You know, where you maybe that game that was on the schedule that was gone, that now you both have openings, you could broke it up. And then, like you said, if it's towards the end of the season or after the season, if there's still an open week or two, maybe you add that extra game where there's no. Uh, you know, the, the only danger would be just between the two teams. You're not going to be spreading it to, to other ones. So that, I, I think the whole point of this is going to be we have to be flexible, and this is not a sport that we've seen a lot of flexibility in. So it's going to be a big shift for all the powers and all the schools because you're just not used to doing things sort of on the fly. And we might have to do that if you're canceling games week to week because, oh, this team got a, a bunch of cases or this team got a bunch of cases. So what is SC doing as far as any form of football activity right now? So they today they're supposed to start their phase three uh, of integrating the players back onto campus. The first phase was really just the local players. It didn't even include staying uh, on uh, playing stairs on campus. They were coming, you know, from their homes. They would come work out in these pods of eight or ten guys with a trainer and a and a, a strength coach, and then go back. And then last week they're supposed to start on Monday. They ended up starting on Wednesday. Their phase two, which was going to allow players that didn't live locally to come and actually stay on campus. So it was kind of a big deal last week to get players to actually stay in the dorms, but it's pretty short because now they're supposed to start phase three because nationally, you know, you're allowed to do more team activities uh, starting today. I think it's eight hours a week of like uh, team meetings and conditioning and stuff instead of like the zoom stuff actually can have more team activity. So that's supposed to start, uh, today we've here. There's, you know, they've they've not had a whole lot of cases. Um, there've been a couple. We've heard of a few football players uh, that have had it and recovered. And like you mentioned, like Notre Dame, I don't think had any cases. Um, so that's going to be something to watch. Like how many schools? They're not seeing a Clemson or an Alabama thing where you have a whole bunch of guys getting sick. And I think just bringing them along slowly, it's helped. But now going forward, now we're start pushing towards that fall camp date. Instead of working out in these smaller groups, you're going to have more full team things and does it you know does someone get it and spread it through there so we're up to watch that closely but today's kind of a bigger day it's starting that last phase where really this is kind of like that starting the six-week period to starting the football season so now excuse me now i think we're going to know a lot more because you're going to have more guys together as, instead of like in these small pods they're going to be more full team things don't know how much you've heard from the players about this, but obviously LSU, Texas, Clemson, you know, we heard of a bunch of positive tests, but then I read a story about Notre Dame. They've been in an on-campus hotel, and I think it's one I actually stayed in when I was back there for an NIT game, uh, and they've only had, I think, one the one test. And the thing I read in the story was that they've made it really clear to Notre Dame guys, if you want football – you can't cheat on these rules. These rules have to be, they have to hold firm. They have to be absolute. And how badly do these guys want to play football? Now here, we've seen a running back who's actually from Southern California, Jordan Wilmore, was on social media saying, football, I miss you so much. And it was with a shot, it was on social media with a shot of him at practice. Do you have a sense with the USC football players, how much they've had this spelled out to them, how much they're adhering to it? Yeah, um, so we, you know, they're being pretty quiet uh, about this stuff. We're seeing some stuff on social media. I know Marquis Step, the running back from Indiana, was upset on Twitter that he's not going to get an opportunity to play, uh, you know, against Notre Dame. You had mentioned before, you know, his hometown, uh, his hometown team. It's funny with Notre Dame. I think they have to take it seriously because they're sort of like the 
the alienated family member, they want to join someone else's kind of quarantine group. And if they have a bunch of cases, no one's going to let them in. So they, I think they really have to take it seriously. But in, in the, the California schools as well, I, I feel like because of all the outbreaks there, I think they need to uh, really take things seriously. I mean, the, the message we've heard from the administration and from the coaches and stuff is, is really for the players that, you know, this, this isn't something you can really cheat on. And we've heard about just, you know, a case here or a case there. Uh, as players start to return to campus. But I think they've done a pretty good job overall. But if you're in a hot spot, you're in Arizona, you're in California, I think you really do have to because if it was USC that had a whole bunch of cases like we saw with Clemson, I mean, that might cause the whole Pac-12 to shut down. Who knows? So I think they're, I think they've done a pretty good job of it. It's obviously you know, unprecedented. We've never seen this uncharted territory here. But I think the message we've been hearing from the players and coaches has been pretty positive as far as like what they've been able to do and not really, you know, cheating the system. So they, you know, try to keep people as safe as possible. As far as football goes, you know, with Harold running the offense, it's different than what SC has traditionally been with those Heisman Trophy winners and all those great running backs. Uh, how is recruiting going regarding top-notch running backs? Yeah, the running back situation hasn't been as good. They they brought in Mike Jenks, who was uh, you know working with uh, Graham Harrell. It's funny, you know, we I mentioned Marquis Step earlier. Mike Jenks said he's never had a running back like that. That you know, 230 pounds that can still run. So I think there's an adjustment on the the coaching staff as well as far as trying to figure out you know what direction do they want to go uh, with with running backs. And they picked up uh, Brandon Campbell. Uh, four-star running back out of the state of Texas. So, they, you know, there's still those Texas ties between Harrell and Jenks and, and there. But it's not, you know, haven't had much success out here on the West Coast uh, recruiting running backs. And I think part of it was last year they had all their guys get hurt. They end up starting, you know, Keaton Christian for a few games later. And he's a true freshman. They thought that we're going to redshirt. And they're trying to figure, you know, I think they want to get a feel for what how they're going to use these running backs. We heard Harrell say he'd like to run the football 45% of the time. Uh, they get their quarterback hurt. They get you know a bunch of their running backs hurt. I don't think we got to see fully what he intended to do. So if they do have a season, I think you're going to see a more balanced attack, but still with uh, Keaton's lowest, you know, throwing the football all over the place, but running the ball a little bit more. And I think that would help with the running back recruiting going forward. Right now, it's sort of like this: they're not sure. Like, are you going to use running backs? Or you're not going to. I know that the plan was to do that. With all the injuries and stuff, I think that got derailed a little bit. So we'll see if they they get a season, and they're able to do that. I feel like it will be. It'll make the fans a little happier that they're running the ball more than you know. Just the, the it's not the Mike Leach pass happy air raid that some of the fans kind of think it was going to be or was. Once you get people spread out, you can really run the ball. <laughs> I, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about that. That that seems like the last thing USC fans need to worry about. Uh, watching the recruiting unfold here, you know, I wouldn't want to guarantee anything on any one kid, but it seems like. USC is getting enough high-profile kids. It really seems like USC and Oregon are cleaning up, and even I, who knows what this season's going to look like. But assuming we're back to something that looks like normal in 2021, those two schools ought to be posed to kind of or, or, or set to be the um, the pillars of the conference that you expect them to be, and that we've seen in other conferences where Oklahoma and Alabama and Ohio State have been those pillars. Clemson now. Do you think USC and Oregon are setting up for that, where they're both going to be loaded and they should be on track, even though it'll irritate Ute fans for a Pac-12 title game? Yeah, I mean, it looks that way. USC's back to recruiting the kind of way they should be. Uh, They normally were. I mean, last year was the worst recruiting class we'd ever seen. Uh, They hired a bunch of new assistants that actually go out and recruit instead of 
they were, they were kind of part-time recruiters before. And that you just can't do that in college football. If you're a, a big development program like Utah where you take guys that are three stars that maybe not as many people know about and you turn them into you know first and second round draft picks, that's not really USC's MO. They need to bring in the, the four- and five-star guys. So they're getting back to that now. Dante Williams, who they brought in from Oregon, has been a big part of it. But Oregon's recruiting like crazy, and I think they've done a good job developing players as well. So I think everyone has their own DNA as far as programs go. USC sort of got away from that a little bit. But I think you're, to see Oregon recruit at this elite level, getting best you know best players in California, best players on the West Coast the last couple of years, uh, I mean, there's, I think they're setting themselves up really well with Mario Cristobal. USC needs to get back there. This class, you know, if it, if it holds together, is back to kind of normal for USC. The last couple of years have just been really shaky, especially last year. I think now Clay Elton's got a much better staff, and he's putting that together to, to bring in more talent. they got to use it. they got to utilize it. But they're at least bringing that talent in like they used to for, you know, for decades before. Yeah, one of those guys is Vic Suoto, who's a BYU guy, obviously a Polynesian. So we got some people up here who are nervous that Vic is going to come steal our guys away. That guy is amazing. I mean, he's only been a college, a full-time college football coach for three years. You know, he followed Bronco Mendenhall around, and man, just talking to him, the energy he has, and it's just infectious. And you could see if you're a big defensive lineman, Polynesian defensive lineman, anyone. I mean, you just talk to the guy. And he, it's electrifying. I mean, he really can sell the program and what you know what it means to to be a great football player. And he's shown it, you know, in his coaching career and also in his playing career. So he's he is great. He's someone that's you know, great to talk to. And uh, I think that was a really good hire. Sort of one of those unproven guys, but as soon as you see him, you're like, okay, this guy's going to be a really good defensive line coach for a long time. You think we're set up for a, a lot of transferring with all the Zoom recruiting that's been going on between kids getting overlooked who are willing to go to brighter lights and all that stuff and teams that regret some of the guys they signed? Is it going to be crazy in the next couple of years? I think we're seeing the commitments at a crazy level. Like it's more than double the, 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 this time of year, the number of verbal commitments that are happening, which to me means there's going to be a lot more decommitments as well. And I feel like the transfers are going to, this isn't going to curb the, you know, transfers have been gone the way up. I think this is only going to be worse. There's going to be so many different situations. If you have a team that, you know, is in a conference that maybe, you know, having to cancel a bunch of their games, you're going to see some of the players want to jump ship. I mean, it's, it's such uncharted territory. Like we said, I feel like transferring is going to be one of those, you know, that one of the power plays that you can make, if you're a player, because you don't have a lot of, uh, you know, tools in your toolbox as far as, you know, t- things to do to help yourself, transferring is one of them. So I, I think you're right. I think we're going to see a whole bunch of transfers going on. And maybe you're sitting out a year, and maybe it's a time you don't care if you're going to sit. This is a good year to sit out because you don't even know what's going to happen in the season. So you, the, you mitigate, you're mitigating some of the risk of, oh, i got to sit out a season, but I'm sitting out this weird COVID season, so does it really matter? So, yeah, I, I don't think we've seen it yet. But as we get the season becomes more defined, I think you're going to see a lot of them. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to skip this season. I'll transfer somewhere else and and uh, pick up my career there. Did the coaches basically tell uh, JT Daniels that he wasn't going to win the job? Is that why he didn't want to stay and compete? You know, it's funny. Graham Harrell is a huge Keenan Slovis fan, but Clay Helton loves JT Daniels. I think I think Clay Helton would have given JT Daniels every opportunity. To play, and, I, and we've seen you know USC started three different quarterbacks last year. To me, 
it made the most sense for JT Daniels to stick around. He would have shown everyone that his you know knee recovery from surgery is going well. He was going to play. They're going to blow out some teams, so he would play even if Keaton Slovis didn't get hurt. But there's a good chance that he would get hurt too. So um, I felt like that would have been his greatest opportunity. And if Slovis would come back for his junior year, and then he's going to be the starter, JT could leave. He'd already been graduated and still have two years to play. You know, in this case, he's. Not going to be able to play that first year at Georgia, but like you said, like this was not a season that you probably wouldn't, were going to want to play anyway. He could learn the system there and then kind of go forward and have an opportunity to start the next couple of years, unless he gets some kind of waiver. So I just, you know, logistically, it just made sense for JT Daniels to stick around another year, and I think he would have had an opportunity to play, but I don't think he was. I mean, Keaton Slovis was just so good last year; it would really be hard to to overtake him. So I feel like Clay Hilton was going to give him every opportunity. And JT Daniels and his family decided it was just better to go somewhere else. Ryan, as always, we appreciate it. Great to have you come on and talk some Pac-12 football, talk some USC football with us. And uh, thanks a lot. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. I mean, hopefully, crossing your fingers that we get a season. But I don't know, man. It's getting scary out there. <laughs> Ryan Abraham, you can read more of his work at uscfootball.com. You can listen to him at the Podcast of Champions. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. The moment the Rapids have no answers. Martinez, good service. Oh, and only half away, and Ruznak has scored. Albert Ruznak picking up where he left off. Clint Irwin couldn't really deal with the cross. And Ruznak's shot found its way in. That's it, Yak. What? Well, it was a 50-foot birdie putt. That was actually described on the broadcast as a mishit and a changeup that then went off the keeper's hand, off what Dunny referred to as a player's undercarriage, and into the goal. You've always told me you want local. That's true. You got me there. That is local. You're right. RSL uh, controlled play for the first half hour, got the goal, could have had two. They get the win, 2 nil. 450 today. Know that play on the and you know the thing is people may guess the golf, so maybe across them up and somebody who's actually listening will have to win. And so to someone who's listening to 450 and just guesses, well, that was a pretty good it must have been the 50 foot putt. You're right. I do tell you to go local though, so good job there, Yak. You're overthinking that, buddy. Yeah, probably. All right, DJ and PK, are we back yet to the point where we can go with this guy sucks? Are we there yet? We need we need a few more games, don't we, before we can really oh, bring yeah, that back? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah, we have yeah, enough yeah, right no. now. I'm looking forward to Give that. Give us one or two weeks and we'll be back. Well, rolling. baseball in two weeks and, and basketball in three, right? NBA, 17 days. Yes. I was surprised watching that game that they basically made Freddie J like the fourth or fifth pick. It's like, well, everybody else man, said, no, screw it. I'm not touching that situation. So, yeah, Freddie, we'll just elevate you. Didn't sound too positive toward him. But he got the gig. A soccer lifer grinding away. Coming out of Las Cruces. You love those stories. Oh, he's I a, totally do. He's Absolutely. a grinder, and he no got question. the gig. I, I, you're 100% correct. Yeah. I do. I love those stories, yeah. But I, I was just surprised that they were – I thought they were a little over the top about it, saying they, they made it sound like, wow, well, geez, we couldn't get anybody else, so Freddie's standing over here. <laughs> and, and, and just 
Uh, I mean, I, I know that it doesn't matter to me. I don't care that you're not somebody's first choice. Right. Because I'm going to say this and say this forever. You never know if the first choice yep. is the best choice or the fourth choice is the best choice yep. until they get on the gig and see how they do. We've seen that a million times over. He was definitely not the sexy hire, you know, an anonymous, um, you know, assistant coach uh, laboring away. But, you know, asking the players and, and honestly, he's so quiet. I mean, I talked to him, but he, he is so quiet and so uh, what's the word? self-effacing and all that. You know, he's just not a self-promoter. You kind of know him, but you don't really know him. And I was asking one of the players when he was taken over as an intern before they hired him, you know, how is it different with him? What is he? And the player went right away to the detail. I mean, the detail, this guy thinks about everything and what it leads to and, you know, all, all the detail to the preparation, you know, I mean, you, you know, from being a writer and, and watching other beat writers, there's some people who are kind of prepared in detail leading into a story. And then when everything breaks and the, you know, what's hitting the fan, well, when you've got all these details mastered, you know, you perform at a better level. It doesn't matter if you're writing or if it's sports or whatever your job is. Yeah, Yeah, the detail, the consistency, the respect so that the guys play hard for you. doesn't matter what your name is. I don't think the players really care that you got a big name, don't have a big name. They just want to make sure that you're prepared. And if you're prepared and put them in the best position to win, they're going to bust their butts for you. And we've seen that. We've seen that with some of the great coaches we've had in this state. And we've had some phenomenal coaches in this state. And there's different ways to go about it to get the guys to play hard for you. You know, Ron McBride would love you to death. And and guys would they would see that. He loved you to death. Yep. So in turn, you'd want to play hard for him and do what you need to do. Uh, and, you know, Jerry Sloan, his approach might have been different, but guys out there busting it, and and that's the way to be successful is to have that preparation, have that detail, and, you know, Kyle Whittingham has it in that way, and guys play hard for him. They should play hard for themselves, yeah. but sometimes you need that little extra, and, and that that's the way that the, Kyle and his consistency and his day-to-day approach it's the same, man. It's everything is the same. They know exactly. Okay, Monday at two o'clock, every freaking Monday at two o'clock, I'm gonna be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so they get the plan. They know about it. They know how to go about it. He's established that, and that's helped them to have all sorts of success. You know, Ryan Abraham some, said something that made me think of uh, Kyle Whittingham in his early days. And one of the things people second guessed about him early, and I didn't really know enough about it to have any informed opinion, but Kyle turned out to be right. Unfortunately for you fans, Clay Helton might be going down the same road and it might help him the same way it helped Kyle. But you know, they had they had assistant coaches and Ryan Abraham described them as part-time recruiters. And they had definitely one and arguably two pretty bad recruiting classes. He changes a lot of the position coaches and gets gung-ho recruiters. One of them, as you pointed out, has a local tie in, Vic Suoto. And, I mean, who knows if they'll turn out to be great players. But, man, they are well-thought-of recruits, and people are tripping over themselves, it seems like, to go to USC now. And one thing that Kyle said early on is 
the strategic stuff, the X's and O's, is handled by the head coach and the coordinators. And the, recru- the, the guys who are position coaches have got to be great recruiters. Now, they can help with the other stuff. That's a positive. But they've got to be great recruiters. And I can remember Kyle, a lot of people saying, wow, he's putting together a really young staff. But the energy it takes to recruit, maybe that helps to, you know, this is my chance and I got to make it and I'm younger and you got a ton of energy and really go after it. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't mean that older coaches aren't great recruiters because Dennis Erickson clearly did the youth some favors with some guys he landed. Um, but it hit for Kyle and it's hitting for Clay Helton that, you know, you can bet on a younger guy and he if he's a great recruiter and he's got the energy, you know, in some ways he might be more relatable for some, these players are obviously, you know, 17, 18 years old. When Ryan Abraham said that about the age of the staff and and the youth and the energy, it made me think to, you know, what Kyle decided early on. And it, you know, clearly paid off with him getting to the Sugar Bowl in his fourth year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've got to have those guys that can bring in the players. And that's that's one of the things I love about Utah's program is that they are quick to give the credit to the players you know, I've been around some coaches where, hey, it's about me. It's about me, right. I have. I, I know have. you. I agree 100%. Yeah. 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 And you listen to them speak, and it's about the sure, – uh, Sharif will call them my boys. He loves to see the boys. That's how he refers to them. And Sharif could be the greatest tactician on cornerback play, but it's the guys who make the plays, and they're, they're so quick to tell you that. Yeah. Well, coaches will tell you it's not what we know, it's what we can get them to absorb. You know, we can we can know everything, but if they can't absorb it and recall it when it matters, you know, once that pass is in the air, what is that DB doing? Well, Sharif has told them all year and all week on the field and in the in the in the room, but are they gonna are they gonna do it once the ball is in the air? You know. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone.